0: You are now listening to EPT Podcast, an ongoing series of conversations with field experts in electronics design and engineering. This podcast is being presented by EPT Magazine, Canada's information leader for the electronics industry. I'm your host, Stephen Law, editor of EPT Magazine. Hello, EPT readers, and welcome to this podcast. My guest for this episode is Gord Harling, President and CEO of CMC Microsystems in Montreal. CMC is a not-for-profit organization that uses government funding and user fees to enable access to advanced technologies for as many as 10,000 researchers worldwide. CMC supports design tools in the cloud and low-cost access to fabrication of microelectronics, photonics, MEMS, quantum devices, and AI for IoT. Gord, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm hoping to achieve a couple of things with our chat here today, Gordon. First off, I'd like to bring some clarity to who and what CMC is. Then I'd like to dive into a bunch of projects and initiatives that CMC is currently involved with. For our listeners who have never heard of CMC, maybe you could start by detailing some of the services provided and how individuals or companies can get involved with your group.
1: Sure. Uh, So we were actually founded in 1984. So we're coming up on 40 years of existence. And um, initially it was just uh, microelectronics. So Nortel was willing to fabricate devices for researchers, but um, they had no interest in dealing with all of the questions from hundreds of students. And so they asked for an entity to be set up to share uh, in uh, in doing the front line of support and bundle the designs together and have them all fabricated at once. So over the course of 40 years now, what we've started to do is supply CAD tools in the cloud. Uh, and uh, we have uh, over 30 vendors. And on any given day, five to 600 people uh, log into our cloud and use those tools so we're all across Canada, 12 universities in the U.S., one in Mexico. And we're currently opening up in Australia. Um, and when you've designed something and you want to fabricate it, uh, the entry price is often very high and some factories will not talk to researchers at all. So what we do is we bundle 10 or 20 or 30 designs together. We submit a single uh, design kit to uh, to the foundry. They, uh, they fabricate it. And then we uh, dissect the wafers, take apart all the designs, and we ship the designs to each person so that no one gets to see anyone else's IP in the whole process. So we're that third party honest broker in the middle that, uh, that makes all these things happen for you. And, uh, and for Canadian researchers, at least, they're subsidized via the Canadian uh, and, and Quebec uh, funding. And finally, we like to provide create platform technologies that uh, will help people with their research. And so we have a variety of those. And that's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> Very good. Cool.
0: And as I understand it, do you use other clients' facilities? Uh, for example, you don't have, actually have a lab of your own.
1: You know that's quite right, and so uh, we uh, will either, if someone has a question, or they need to do some testing, or uh, or some sort of uh, uh, weird and wonderful exotic processing, we'll send them to an appropriate lab, preferably in Canada, obviously. But uh, we try to be the uh, the hub for everyone to ask their questions. We can we can send you on, but we deal with the very large factories like TSMC and Global Foundries and uh, and uh, yeah, Advanced Micro Foundries in Singapore and those sort of folks.
0: So let's jump into some of the projects or initiatives that uh, CMC is presently working on. As you've told me in advance, CMC is an, has an IoT device that uh, a design using Bluetooth uh, for free on your GitHub repository. So maybe you can give us a little bit of background on that.
1: And Sure, so um, we're very interested in IoT because of all the things that can be done in Canada there. Um, and so we created a demonstration device, which has an accelerometer, a temperature sensor, and a light sensor on it. And uh, you can take it, shake it in your hand, and uh, the accelerometer wakes it up, and it sends the accelerometer light and temperature data off to your to a, an app that runs on your phone. So it's for Android phones. Sorry, I know you're an Apple maniac. All of the uh, code for the processor, the uh, the Gerber files, the bill of materials, everything is on our GitHub. It's uh, GitHub uh, CMC Microsystems, and you can download the complete design yourself. We have a number of copies on the shelf, so if people want them, uh, we can either sell them or, uh, or we'll give out free samples to folks if they want to kick the tires on it. Um, and what's happened with that is uh, people have been... Uh, intrigued by it and have asked us to make modifications. And so um, we've been uh, working on a couple of projects. One of them actually has this moat put onto the back of a rat and uh, there are probes that go into rats brain to measure levels of anesthetic. And so uh, we can actually use the accelerometer to determine how the rat is moving and to see what's happening at various levels of anesthetic. So uh, it needs about a one-day battery life, and uh, it transmits via Bluetooth in packets. And the data it goes to uh, Mila in Montreal for uh, the AI group to do processing on it to look for patterns. Another uh, project that we were discussing was someone who had a, an airborne COVID uh, detector, and they wanted to put it into a wand. So again, we just have to modify the edge of the of this moat. You can add your own sensors, and away you go. That is so cool. So will
0: this uh, particular application eventually make its way from... Uh... Analyzing a brain's uh, a rat's brain to that of a human's brain is that the goal
1: or objective? <laughs> uh, yeah, I <I'm, laughs> I don't want the liability associated with that, but uh, <laughs> there is there are uh, the the consortium that we're in that's developing that hardware. Yes, does intend to do bedside monitoring with it eventually. So you'll have a a small moat, a button on you, and then. Um, one thing, we did this on a printed circuit board, and so it's about an inch on a side, but we have another technology that we're developing uh, called silicon interposers. So rather than silicon, we have a printed circuit board substrate, and we do a, a, cl- a design class. People can uh, design their own, and um, they can uh, uh, we'll print them and uh, we'll mount the components they want onto them. So you can put bare die or chip scale packages onto this silicon substrate. Uh, and the beauty of that is one thing is the thermal temperatures of co- uh, thermal coefficients of expansion are are closely matched to silicon. So having bare dye down there, you can uh, you can go over a, a much wider temperature range. and it doesn't outgas. So if you're doing science projects in a vacuum, uh, you can mount all your components on this and you couldn't do that with a printed circuit board. No kidding. That's amazing. Uh, One of the other GitHub projects
0: that you guys are involved with uh, is a 32-bit RISC-V core design, and it's going into fabrication so that demo boards will be available soon. Uh, Maybe you can provide
1: us with a little bit more detail on that. Sure. So there are lots of RISC-V core designs out there. This one comes from ETH Zurich, and uh, they developed a core they called Pulpissimo, which is a very low-power core meant for computation at the edge of the Internet, so in IoT devices. So we thought it was perfect. And we partnered with um, an open hardware organization here in Canada called OpenHWGroup.org. It's hard to get an earl these days. And um, we transferred that over, and we've been using six students at the Ecole Polytechnique and two at the uh, uh, at ETH Zurich to uh, under a MITEX program uh, to actually uh, uh, do this—the uh, creation of a 64-bit core with a 64-bit vector scalar processor. But the 32-bit core is uh, is just heading into fab this week. It'll be fabricated in a 22 nanometer process. It should be uh, about three, 400 megahertz clock speed, and uh, it should show very nice uh, operating power. Um, we actually embedded 200 K gates of electrically programmable FPGA on the chip. So you'll be able to build little hardware engines on chip that you'll be able to orchestrate and manage with the RISC-V core with software. And then uh, if you want to harden it, uh, come to us and we'll help you through the process. Uh, so we talk a lot about researchers and uh, with, uh, we also have a program for startups uh, called VI, uh, the virtual incubator environment. And basically we provide you with the tools in the cloud. You open a browser and you can uh, do microelectronics design and simulation. You can uh, do uh, ANSYS uh, electromagnetic simulations and all that sort of stuff with the VI program. It only costs $2,000 per year for a startup.
0: Yeah, that was uh, one of the things on my uh, agenda here to chat with you. I'm just curious as you, you speak here, I'm, uh, what the ratio of your client base uh, at CMC, those in academia versus those uh, that are actually uh, commercial businesses, what would be the split there?
1: Yeah, we came very much from an academic sort of environment. Uh, NSERC funded us uh, solely to serve academics uh, five years ago. And when their funding dropped away, uh, we started to uh, to focus much more on startups and so on. So we've been uh, growing that base. <laughs> now, actually, we have 26 companies in the VIE program in Canada, one in the U.S., Uh, But we have 68 universities, so universities still greatly dominate that in Canada. Uh, We have uh, 12 universities in the U.S. and one in Mexico, already uh, uh, members, if you like, of the network. So uh, we're growing out that way and we're growing into more and more um, commercial kind of services uh, where we don't want to be a a turnkey shop where we do everything. But if you've got a team and you need some expertise in AI or you want to try a photonics design or whatever... We can provide you with training for that, and we can uh, we can use our people to actually supplement your team, complement your team, and uh, and help you to get your your product to, to market.
0: Hmm. I hadn't realized there was an actual uh, international component to your client base. So you mentioned uh, you've got some uh, involvement with the U.S. and and Mexico, and with it, some go across the pond, so to speak, in Europe. Or is that not really a, a, a part of the agenda? It's just uh, organic. If it happens, it happens
1: well we are we are uh, aiming for global domination so <laughs> we're working but... <laughs> uh we actually have an MOU with Australia the Australian national fab facility and so we'll be offering cad down there um, and in the, in Europe, there's a group called Europractice, uh, which has uh, five organizations uh, from various countries, and they have billions and billions of dollars in funding. So we don't want to compete with them. <laughs> we stay friendly and we have regular meetings with them and we discuss ways and means of uh, providing services. So we do want to do CAD hosting into the, into the UK. Um, and another thing that we're uh, having a lot of success with is we have a training uh, course called Basecamp. And uh, basically, it's two to three weeks of intensive lectures, you know, tutorials and so on. Three months of tools in the cloud from us, wherever you happen to be. And then you submit a design, we fabricate it for you, and uh, you have to test the uh, the eventual chip. So it's great for companies that want to uh, just uh, meddle in and see. It's very uh, inexpensive because it's cost shared. Uh, and, uh, and we can help you with your design as well. So we've been doing that for photonics quite a lot. We ran the world's first superconducting device base camp using that. And uh, we just finished a quantum photonics base camp. So they're all design, build, test, a great uh, training cycle and good for startups as well to get that first uh, demo chip.
0: Yeah, no question. And
1: this is mainly for uh,
0: academics and as well as startups, correct?
1: Yeah, about 20% startups about 80% academics in a typical course. That's what we're seeing. Uh, we just ran the quantum photonics one we had um seven folks from the US. Uh we had about 19 from industry and uh, 40 or so from academia in Canada.
0: Okay. And is it uh how are you getting the word out to those uh university level programs or even just the the postgrads that have got this uh a brainchild that they want to spawn and and take to market? How
1: are you reaching out to them? Just through EPNT. Uh, we we place ads in a number of uh in a number of different uh magazines and so on we uh we certainly do uh outreach uh we go to a lot of conferences and try to be as visible as we can we're publishing something we did not use to do was use our own people we have about 40 technical staff most of them phds and they didn't publish papers they really just did support for the academics so now we're publishing a lot of papers uh, we uh, introduced a quantum uh, processing unit uh, last a team uh, three years ago, and they've published eight papers already, some of them in nature, uh, in concert with a number of academic researchers. So that is we're really trying to gain visibility and, uh, and be out there. And uh, now, of course, we're uh, talking in the U.S. And so we're looking at uh, ways and means of us uh, accessing CHIPS Act funding. Very cool.
0: You mentioned uh, to me previously about the broad offering and high-performance computing from AI training system. Uh, are you able to provide us, so you mentioned the, the costs involved with that, that would be, I guess, the VIE program?
1: Yes, yeah, so if you join the VIE program for $2,000 a year, then uh, we give you access to uh, all of our big iron hardware. Um, so we're very cloud-based, and we run a lot of commercial software in the cloud for our customers. Um, but uh, we recognize that sometimes you just need massive compute hardware. And rather than buying general purpose uh, CPUs from, uh, from Amazon or whatever, we offer a, uh, an 8-petaflop AI inference and training system that can handle 1,000 simultaneous users. We have regular training sessions on that. Um, Untether have just given us a system. And so uh, that will be up and running. This is a, an inference system that's very low power. We uh, also have a, a CAD compute cluster. So if you have big uh, computation jobs to do, we can uh, run them on that cluster. It's uh, 40 teraflops of throughput. Uh, and then we have an FPGA GPU CPU cluster as well. So you can do machine learning uh, emulation on that system. And really all the goal of all of that is to get you to train your models so you can bring them down to the edge of the internet and use them for voice rec or image recognition or video analysis or those kinds of things using our RISC-V, using... Uh, custom hardware that sort of thing things are moving so rapidly in the tech space of
0: course and you guys are right there on the forefront of it and and you have a, a, a palpable uh feel or the pulse in particular coming out of uh emanating from academia are there any particular services that you're hearing the players are requiring uh that you still may want to add or have access to
1: We don't want to waste a good crisis. And the semiconductor crisis, of course, is right there on top of us. Um, And so uh, we've had a number of discussions around that. And much as we would love to see a state-of-the-art semiconductor foundry come to Canada, uh, it would cost billions of taxpayer dollars. There would be a fight over where the location was going to be and so on. So uh, much as we would would support that, uh, we don't think that's very likely. So what we've done is pitched to the Canadian government a, a plan whereby... We take exi- existing factories here in Canada with we're already working with and we add new process technologies to them. We add new capabilities and then we uh, market them worldwide and we bring customers in from all over to use them. So there are a few examples like the um, the National Research Councilor has a, a Canada Photonic Fabrication Centre in Ottawa and they can do compound semiconductors and indium phosphide and gallium nitride. So why don't we build extra processes on there that we can market that are uh, not owned by some other company, but that there are owned by CMC. And so we made this uh, proposal called Fabric and you can see it on our webpage, cmc.ca slash fabric uh, for a $200 million project to develop new process technology and to develop new devices, and then to build those devices, which are mainly sensors into IOT devices. Hmm. So you'll be able to come to us, propose a project, uh, we'll fund and uh, we'll, uh, we'll also provide uh, Expertise, if you're if you're lacking it, and so on, to make your IoT device work. And we're targeting photonics, microelectromechanical structures or MEMS, uh, compound semiconductors, and superconducting devices. So currently, we use a European fa- uh, foundry for superconductors, but we'll bring that back to Canada when uh, when there's a line up and running. Very good.
0: Before we sign off here, any other uh, projects or initiatives that uh, are key to you um,
1: moving forward in the rest of 2023? We're really hoping that the Fabric Initiative will uh, will see the day the light of day in this uh, in this year, and that we'll be able to kick off all of that process. So that's uh, most of our focus is on onshoring of manufacturing, and um, I I sort of say yeah there there are automotive processors that are a problem, but there are only twelve of those in a car, but there's a thousand sensors, so let's build the sensors. <laughs> and, uh, so, we're very keen on Fabric. Uh, the quantum stuff, uh, we're getting a lot of success with that. So, uh, we've done 29 projects, mainly academic projects on the quantum computers. There's been uh, IBM systems for three years now, but um, Anyon and Pascal are going to build their next systems in Canada. There's uh, another company we're just talking to about opening an office in Quebec, uh, and so we'll have access to five machines, five quantum machines on Canadian soil, soil, including Xanadu, of course. And we'll be able to program for all of those and help people with uh, access to the to those machines. Well, not so much access because we actually pay a license fee, and then uh, they ask us that we use our coders. But we have a group of five uh, quantum coders who can help you, and they'll formulate your problem, take it, translate it, run it, and then give you the results. So you won't have direct access to those machines unless you pay quite a high fee, but you can come through us and, uh, and get uh, reasonable access. Very good. Well, Gord the clock on the
0: wall tells me we're out of time here for this, uh, podcast. I'd like to thank you so much for sharing these insights on CMC, along with some of the details of the projects uh, for our readers and listeners. So hopefully, um, Our listenership has a deeper understanding of CMC Microsystems. For further details on CMC and some of these related items discussed here, you will find corresponding web links in the podcast description online. Thanks for giving us your time today, Gord, and thanks to our audience for tuning in for this podcast episode. Until next time, take care.